I realize your guys' show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Vince? There's no Vince. <laughs> Who is this Vince you speak of? Seriously, if people started listening like a month ago, they'd have no clue. <laughs> nope, not at all. <laughs> Hello and welcome to For Lord This is Roger coming to you on Tuesday, September 11th. Oh Jesus, dude! I just realized what day it is today. Yep. You know very it's summer day. It is. Well, yes and no. Yeah, I, and that, I mean absolutely no disrespect, obviously, when I say that. But if you're not following social media and if you don't, you know, are following TV, it's been long enough that at least there's a little bit of a distance, so that you can True. forget and you know not realize what day it is and because uh, it's one of those things that the moment you think about it of course it's that remembering where you were at that moment because it was such a powerful moment so uh, impromptu as it is our heartfelt uh, condolences everything to anyone who has known someone or suffered because of that uh, moving on though this is our T-2 episode I yes, was actually talking to, to Hoogs on Twitter today somewhat about this letting a little go on what our plans are but it was only Hoogs so I didn't have to worry that anybody would find out because nobody follows <laughs> Hoogs <laughs> I just had to add directly to him and there you go it's, it's lost <laughs> <laughs> so that being said we are going to have a great episode talking about a couple of important MMOs right now and we are going back to the well we're going to talk some more about guild wars only because we've now done even more in the game i have actually spent a considerable amount of time in this game and so i wanted to talk a little bit more about some of the things that we we discussed last week maybe some concerns and uh and a little bit more of what we found with the leveling experience what's funny is that having now leveled i actually bought another um character slot uh i i put out some money i'm i'm that impressed with the game right now that i do not mind supporting them in advance knowing that i'm not gonna be paying every month kind of thing so i i bought a character slot and uh and i actually bought enough gems to buy another an expansion to the um to the vault to the to the shared vault uh not the guild vault but your account vault just because mm -hmm. once you start doing any kind of crafting that space fills up so fast, it's unbelievable. Because they do have a tab where a lot of the craftable items will go into it, but not if you craft something out of those craftable items. Some of right, them, yes, yeah. but not all. If you if you refine, say, wood to planks, then yeah, it'll take the planks. But if you make dowels out of those suckers, guess what? You better have room in your freaking bank because that's where they're going. So I've got like of dowels i've got a bunch of other stuff that i made and that's when i said i can either start spreading this across all of my characters or just screw it just buy another 
bunch of tabs. So I did that and it makes it all the difference in the world. And it's actually, I'm glad that I did only because I wouldn't want the lack of space to be hindering uh, my crafting because, and, and anybody who's been listening to the show for years knows I'm not really big on crafting. It takes away from the game in my Nor opinion. It doesn't add to the game, but I started doing some crafting on, well, a little bit here and there on all of my characters kind of thing. And I like what they did with the crafting though. I like the way that they arranged it. I like that they don't you know, plant you in a spot and make you have to freaking disenchant 42 items with a three second cooldown like you have in WoW or whatever. I don't know how exactly how many seconds, but you know what I'm talking about. Right. Um, or the inscription, having to mill your herbs. Oh, dear Lord. No, this, you want to make planks out of all the woods that you have, you just tell it, and then it starts slow and then starts ramping up. And then the it's like The longer it goes, the quicker it goes, yeah. And it's all done. And it's like, that was beautiful. Let's do the ore. <laughs> so then it's like start going through everything and you get some decent experience from doing it too. So, uh, and the thing I like too is that most of them have some form of um, compartment or bag or suitcase or something so that you can increase those stupid four slot bags that you're stuck with that you bought to, as default. Yeah. Um, I've only upped my skill far enough that I've got eight slots for everything, but even I've that sliders. it's fine. I'm all right with eight slots for now. And so, um, so I started messing around more with the crafting. And again, this is coming from someone who really does not like crafting and I'm actually having fun. It's, it's not thrilling. It's not like, you know, it, but it's not as bad as, and I'm going to say, wow, and other games with crafting and, and like freaking um, Star Wars Your Republic. Oh, my God. I like some of the benefits that you get from some of those. But, man, I don't like actually doing it. And so this here actually wasn't too bad. And a large part of that also has to do with that shared stash that you have. And the fact that they have that tab with specifically for each resource up to 250. So that's extremely useful. So then when you want to do something on an alt, you just bounce on and you don't have to worry about mailing shit to yourself or anything like that. No, you just do your crafting. And I really, really like that. I don't know. How much crafting has, have you done? A ton, actually. Yeah. Um, I've been doing Huntsman and cooking. Uh, cooking is absolutely insane. It's the most expensive uh, cra like crafting profession you can possibly have, but there's a reason for it. It gives you an insane amount of benefit very, very early. Yeah. Um, like whether it's plus stats, but it also gives you like percentage to magic find and percentage to like gold increases and XP increases. There's the food that you can make is so varied and so absolutely insane that it's like the best profession in the game. So I've been spending a lot of time uh, just kind of like cooking that shit up and seeing what I can make and throwing and you can things make in dyes. the You can make dyes, yes. Oh, you can man. cook dyes. And I've gotten some really interesting rare dyes too. Nice. Out of it. So I mean, it's like, and you're rewarded. The thing about the crafting system too is it's not just like put pieces in, you know, click button, pieces in bag, get formed into item. There's a separate window where you have to organize everything in the proper order to build the to build the item it's in it's a lot of experimentation can actually go into making things so you can actually discover patterns for yeah. things that instead of having to find schematics you can actually randomly happen across one which is kind of nifty so i've been having a lot more fun with it than i ever 
thought I was going to. Yeah. Gotta, yeah. I, I got to give them a lot of credit for that. Because yeah. I hate crafting. I absolutely oh, yeah. can't stand it. And, and maybe it's because, again, I, I've been sitting on the couch with my knees doing bad and I've had my laptop on my, my lap. And, uh, and basically I've just been doing some 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 questing around or even just doing the crafting i've actually been enjoying it because of that sense of exploration of like you're saying you put four things in a pot and let's see what we get out of this and because of the way that the resources are in the game as well you don't worry about it because it's not like you're thinking crap i don't really want to try this because i'm going to be wasting the resources you know i've only got you know 40 blueberries i don't want to waste them all because some yahoo's going to beat me to the blueberry bush tomorrow no because everybody can gather the same nodes as you at the same time that means you're not fighting against other people for resources and that makes a huge huge difference in how much fun crafting is then so like when i was doing some stuff i did um i did some tailoring on my new little necro which was fun i am finding out some new things there and then i got the huntsman i've got the armor smith i've got the weapon smith um none of them are very high level but they're doing well enough but the best one that i found was actually the freaking jeweler because jeweler's interesting you don't find a- any jew i know i haven't i have not found any rings or amulets or necklace anywhere or accessories and they have not been up till now rewards that i've gotten from finishing something yeah i get drops of those all the time oh man i haven't gotten any and it's not like i'm not completing quests because i have as we'll talk about later completed zones to 100 percent over and over and all of them except for the char so it's i'm doing the questing but i'm not getting those so all of a sudden now i've got boom i've got rings to give out to all my alts i've got amulets i've got all manner of stuff so i was really really digging that and then i started messing around with i'd make four four of the same um earrings or whatever and then drop them in the forge and see what I get out of that. And so, and then that there's something else that is adding some fun to that exploration and that what am I going to get when I toss these four things in and then you come up with something much better. So again, I've really, really been digging the crafting system a lot. It's been a lot of fun. And the being able to get more dyes, dude, <laughs> I'm all for that. <laughs> well, the other the other thing that caught me about it too, and this is a real testament to the to the goodness of this game. Not only do I hate crafting in every game, but I hate gathering. I can't stand gathering. Like I hand controls over to Tart, and I let her farm for me because I can't stand doing it. But here, it's it's interesting because I I'm not competing with anybody. It's exactly. not that pressure. Exactly. So as I'm just questing or going to a jumping puzzle. Uh, or heading to this place or that place, I'm just finding these nodes and then casually picking them up and getting experience for doing it. And because they've removed that pressure, it actually makes me go out of my way sometimes to go pick up that bush or go dive down to the bottom of the lake and get some underwater onions. Bastards. Uh, But no, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely... I have to sing its praise. I really, really do. You know, it's the it's the first MMO that I can think of in a, in a long time, if ever. I'm, I'm rocking my brain just trying to think of another one where if I see a node, I don't have to worry about if I if a mob 
starts bashing on my ass while I'm gathering and then have to worry that somebody else is going to get it. No, no, I'll just fight the mob. Once I'm done the mob, then I'll get the node. Mm -hmm. Any other ones, you're screwed. You got to hurry up and kill the mob as fast as you can, or you know damn well some goddamn paladin's going to come swooping down <laughs> and steal your <laughs> mine. And, uh, and so, no, this is one of those where that doesn't happen. And see... That's what they've done different with this game on a lot of different fronts as well. And by that, I mean, they've created a sense of community as well that I honestly cannot remember this last time I've felt that as well. Now, I don't mean community in terms of, you know, actually knowing each other and things like that. I just mean that sense of being together and, and experiencing something together without actually knowing each other and still being friendly towards each other. Because you're not competing for nodes, because you're not competing for mobs, that's the big one, you're, mm -hmm. you're actually seeking out instances where you can be with other players, regardless of if you know them or not, to take down bigger mobs, to work together on these escort quests. It doesn't bother you if they, they tack on on whether it's fighting, nodes, anything. And what that's done is created this insane feeling of community and experiencing something together to the point where once again, and I'm sure you're seeing this all the time too. I can't remember the last time that I was in a game where somebody's dead on the ground. Damn near everybody's going to res them, even though the well, event is done. But, and that's the thing, like they, they, they put the proper incentive. You get experience points and achievement points for helping other people. So, yeah. I mean, every other game, people will spit on you as they run past you or laugh at you for dying. Here, mm -hmm. everybody's bending down to help you heal, to help you get up. It's insane. And it, it boggles my mind. As a gamer, I've gotten jaded over the years. But, I mean, anytime I'm seeing someone down, I'm going and I'm helping them up. And sure enough, you'll get a couple other people beside you. And if I die, people are helping me up. It's unbelievable the sense of community they've built here, which makes it something we're in again you're i know for me i'm not forcing myself to play at any point and at any point am i thinking okay i've got to get in to get my 10 quests a day or my whatever and my so many kills a day or the nodes or the professions no i'm going in because i want to and i know that i'm going to have fun regardless of you know, it's not like I'm, I know that many people on the server either. Or hell, we're barely ever playing together even. But well, it's, it's just... Because our times doesn't match up. It's hell of fun yeah. all the time. Now, mm -hmm. I've actually gotten... Um, I Like I said, I've got my... I had my five characters and then I bought another one. The only ones I don't have currently are the Elementalist and the Guardian. And I, I fully intend on playing those, but right now it's just I'm going to wait a little bit and I'll give them my money later on kind of thing. Although I have started buying gems with in-game gold and kind of stockpiling them and we'll get really? to that a little later on yeah oh yeah man i'm interested to hear about that yeah. Oh, yeah it's 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 a phenomenal system and i take back quite a bit of what i said earlier see not everything but some from last episode and, and we'll get to that later but um so i've leveled a, a couple of them to mid to late 20s and then i've got the the teens all of my characters are past their teens now um or into their teens i should say or late teens and I've finished Metrica now, the Asura starting section. I've gotten 100% completion on that bastard four times. And like I was telling Joe pre-show, I will, I not only I would, but I will do it again, happily, again and again. 
I love the zone that much that I'm looking forward to doing those same quests again. Love it. I finish the Silvari starting section, um, Caledon Forest to 100% as well. That one was awesome. Now, I had done quite a bit of it before and enjoyed it, but in doing it to 100%, now all of a sudden, a lot of the, because I was in the zone a lot longer, so I, I was able to take part in a lot more of the dynamic events going on, things like that too. Oh my God, it was awesome. There is to the west side, there's a big lake there. Now, if, you, mm -hmm. if you're looking at north of the bridge, if you're looking at a map, you'll know what I mean. North of the bridge on the lake in the, or in the lake, I should say, excuse me, on the western side, if you swim down, there's going to be a quest where you're going to help clean up the bottom of the lake for these these guys down there that are hysterical. There's even a freaking, um, an organ down there that you can play <laughs> and it has the notes. It replaces your skills with notes. You can change the octave. You can change everything. It's phenomenal. It's hysterical. And there's a little female character that kind of hums beside you. Um, but while you're doing that, if there's a dynamic event that opens up, check it out. There's this massive jellyfish. And you go and talk to one of these creatures that are down there. He transforms you into a jellyfish and then you fight against this guy. So when more people join in, you've got a crap load of little jellyfish fighting against this massive one to honor it and things like that. It was fantastic. And then you head to the coast and if I'm not mistaken, it's that same coast. Now, if you're heading west, sorry, I'm, I meant east in, in earlier. If you're on the eastern side above the bridge. So if you're heading west there, now you're going to be on the coast. There's a quest there that opens up, not a quest, a dynamic event that opens up. And there's this giant creature there that you fight. Now, it's, she is tough. But what she does is to test your metal as a fighter, let's see how you do as another form, she says, or something to that effect. Everybody gets transformed to various small creatures, whether it's a small lizard. I was a rooster for a while. You get transformed into all these creatures and each one has special abilities. So you go in, you do your attacks and all that. Eventually, you're going to get changed back into your form, do some damages that and then change to something else. It was bloody awesome. Everybody who was there with me had a blast. We're all laughing. It was just phenomenal. So that zone was great. How much questing have you done there yet? Not a whole lot. Some. Uh, it's actually one of the areas that I've just recently started now that my um, kind of in that weird spot. So I'm going back to in the starting zones. Right. Um, I, I've done enough that I've uncovered the instance that's there. Okay. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed the zone. A lot. The more I did, the more I enjoyed it. I finished off, before I did that actually, I finished off the Norn area as well. And that's one that I'm happy to report gets better. That's that's something that we had a concern it about. It gets actually quite a bit better so long as you are also doing those dynamic events. When you are have to, when you have to fight against that rogue group that's there that worships the, the dragon, uh, Sons of Svenir, initially they seem like a bunch of chumps. Once you get north in Wayfarer foothills, then you start seeing, the, no, these guys are tough. And some of the dynamic events that open up show you just that. Like, it is bloody tough. Fantastic fights. I was really enjoying it. And what I found, too, 
um, in that zone, much like the other one. It was funny because as I'm doing it, I'm thinking, you know, we've spent years saying how we need questing to be more than just the kill 10 rats thing. And in the Norton area, you do find some questing where it is. Yes, there's still a whole crap load of gold kill 10 rats, but there are still other quest lines. I mean, one of the quest lines is just to have snowball fights with kids. So you just, there's piles of snowballs all over the place and there's kids all over and you have to entertain them and you're having snowball fights with them. And you'd think, listen, I'm a seasoned veteran. This is not going to feel very, you know, epic or heroic, but I shit you not in a matter of minutes, you'll be like, this is so much fun. <laughs> I'm going to get that kid again. And you're shooting these snowballs around and it, and it is, it's fun. It, it's a nice break in, in, in the, in the pace of the rest of the questing, which does get pretty tough at points. So did you actually finish Wayfarer Foothills? Uh, most of it, yeah. Yeah. I wound up, I wound up um, taking a break before getting the finish so I could go do some jumping puzzles in the World v. World realms, which is interesting. <laughs> Trying to solve puzzles while enemies are bearing down upon you. Yeah, no, not for me. I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> um, and then finally, I like I said, I didn't finish the Char one. I, that's, I'm saving that one for last. I did, however finish the human section which is again i'm happy to report it gets better it still is not phenomenal but it does get better and my human quest line was the same one that you were doing on yours mm -hmm. it does get better i don't know how far you got into it but it not a whole hell of a lot just oh. because that i have to do so much more to even be able to complete that quest we were on Okay, so yeah, you're. I, I've done quite a bit more than where you stopped. And it actually isn't bad. Now, I'm going to spoil a little bit of it here. Um, you actually find out eventually that there is corruption in the guards that are there. Um, and not Logan Thackeray's section of the guards, but the other ones, the ministries, policing force, whatever you want to call them. And so it's kind of... A generic concept here there's corruption in their ministry and you got to figure it out no, that part there is not going to feel very epic but it's well done it actually like i said it gets better which is which is very very good um but then from there what happens is that you find out about a a faction of their military a group that was killed off by centaurs and you find out that your characters sister if you chose that path um was in that group so she got killed or that's what he had thought and then you find out that there's a rumor going around that the centaurs may have kept some of these people alive and caged them so then there's that hope of okay maybe his sister actually is alive um i've got a male human so then from there you're dealing with a different type of corruption where it's possible that one of the higher ministries is setting up this group or did set up this group specifically to die in order to show that the queen's rule for this this group is incompetent and that they need a different change and all that like i said it does actually get better there were points where i was really enjoying where the story was going and in terms of the stories as a whole for the humans, again, I'm not going to say it's epic or phenomenal, but I will say it actually does get better. There are still moments where it's pretty lame. You're still yeah. doing various 
parts where it's again the farming stupidity which again is never epic but there are other parts that i did enjoy actually that were well done um a lot of fighting script which is fun just just for listening to their dialogue <laughs> it's phenomenal <laughs> so, i prefer running around as a script thank you very much oh yeah yeah those potions that you get all the time you can run around as a variety of creatures and see that's something that i remember from guild wars as well where people had a variety of costumes from events and different things and potions and and people just nobody looks the same and, and like i said last week that's what we're seeing here um in large part because of the variety of clothing but also because of those damn dyes that mm -hmm. people are hooked on that buying dyes left right and center i know i've got quite a few as well and uh it, it's it's so nice to run around and have this dynamic world full of people everybody looks different and again it's just you can be that special snowflake look however it is that you want <laughs> my little freaking <laughs> the necro i made is a little male asura so i made him pretty much all black with uh, a brown face but he's got the 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 skull mask on which i don't care if i'm losing out on hit points and all that until i find another skull face mask he's keeping that one because it looks awesome <laughs> but he is confident in himself he wears pink he wears <laughs> all these wild colors <laughs> and it fits because he's an asura so he's got these flamboyant colors and everything it, i mean think of it like a grown man and i'm not trying to you know cast stereotypes or anything here but i'm having so much fun doing dyes and outfits for my little character it takes a special sort of game to be able to do that with. I agree. Like I'm sitting there every time I get a new uh, a new die. So they're ooh, new die. What color is it? Oh, what yeah. color is it? And like people, like I was getting laughed at by uh, guildies on uh, on Mumble when I was like, yeah, we, we got to hold on a second. I got four dies to to see what they are. We got stuff to do to complete the quest. Yeah, screw the quest. <laughs> I actually. I had a little bit of money extra, so I thought, screw it, I'm going to check the um, the auction house system, and I'm going to check the dies and see how much they're running for. And, dude, I spent damn near a half hour going through dies, and I picked up here and there and finding some good deals on Sob and picking them up. The um, That's one of the things that we had talked about last week. Well, since then, the auction house system it has been mainly mostly up yes it's gone down a few times but it's been doing fairly well and it's a freaking slick auction house system very easy to get your stuff up very easy to find things you can even place orders for things like it's i really really like it and it is a very easy way to make pretty decent money actually oh yeah like it's an easy way to make a ton of gold yeah, and this game is not like WoW. I mean, in this game, every copper matters, okay? <laughs> like, I've talked to, well, Fimless in the guild, I was talking to him saying, okay, well, by the time you're like, because he was 44 at the time, I was saying, how much money do you actually have on you? I'm not asking for any. I just want a, a general idea of what I can look forward to. Like, how much money do you have? And at the time, having bought his... Um, training kits and all that which you got to pay for he said he had about a gold on him and so i thought holy crap and 
I've talked to a lot more people who are in the same boat. Now, as people are starting to use the auction house more, that that is going up. And depending on how you play makes a big difference too. Like case in point, most of my characters, I will salvage damn near everything I get. So if I if a weapon drops or if uh, outfit armor whatever drops, I will salvage it so that I can use those parts then to do some um, some crafting. However, on the little necro that I did, I decided just on this guy, whatever he gets that he can't use unless it's a really good green, I'm selling it, and and that included also all of the materials that he gathered. I put those all on the auction house. He made a lot of money. Like he was doing freaking good for a low level. He had a lot of money. So it's all how you play the game. The potential is there to actually do fairly well. But still, it's not a game like WoW where you're going to be having thousands of gold. No, no. If you have 10 gold, you can buy yourself a freaking harem. <laughs> like you, you got a lot of money, dude. So it's, it's not the same. Now, that being said, too, you can also buy gold in-game legally. Now, of course, the spammers are already out, too, those dumb bastards. Oh, of course. But you can actually use gems to buy gold. And, of course, you can use real money to buy gems. So all you're doing, basically, at that point is, for real money, you buy your gems, then you trade your gems in for money, if you want. And, I mean, it's if you've got money and you want to do that way, you can. Now, the beauty, too, is that it's set up in such a way that you can buy gems with in-game money. Now, they have a fancy system based on whatever the market is at at that time, and it fluctuates based on how many people are buying or selling at a given time. So it's kind of like the smart stock market kind of thing. You can check and put in how much you want to spend in terms of how many silver or copper or whatever, and it will tell you how many gems you can get from that. So those gems can then be used to buy extra bag slots, uh, extra bank slots, um, different items, all of the stuff from the store, or even to unlock an extra character slot. Now, I was checking uh, on a fairly regular basis, and for a while there, 25 silver could buy you about 158 to 160 gems. 25 silver. That's Which means that, once again, if you are playing the game and just grinding for weapon drops and things like that, and then selling them, whether it's on the auction house if they're worth it or just a vendor, I mean, when you're getting, say, 25 coppers for a weapon, well, it takes four of those and you've got yourself one silver right there. So... It's not bad, actually. You can trade in for those gems to buy a lot of what you want. Now, I still think that the items that are a one-time use only, I, I can deal with most of the items that are like to have access to your bank or things like that, but it's the, the skins for your outfits. I still believe those are too high-priced considering you are yeah. it's a one-shot use so that don't get me wrong they're cool as hell they oh, look awesome man. but they're i think those are still too high right now that needs to be looked at but other mm -hmm. than that i'm actually all right with the rest simply because several hours of work can get you an extra character slot i'm i'm okay with that i'm really okay with that i was i'm i'm very happy with the, the gem trading system that they've got going on now, it was fairly good. I accidentally bought a bunch, <laughs> so be careful. <laughs> you, when you put in how much you want to look at, 
I thought you had to, I'm again, heavily medicated here after a couple of days. You got to <laughs> believe me here. I was not thinking clearly. And uh, I thought I had to click a button to see, to, to do the conversion of how much it would be. But it was like, cluck. all of a sudden I got 419 freaking gems. It was like, God damn, I did not mean to do that. <laughs> but if I wanted to, I could have immediately traded those back for gold in game i might have lost a little but not too much so again it's a nice system that they have going on but i thought you know what i'm going to start to squirrel some away and then maybe those two extra slots that i need maybe i can just get them and i won't have to worry about plonking down money and then likewise with extra bank slots for everybody and then some more bank tabs as well so yeah i really like that system well and it's interesting too because it, it is following at least to some extent, the free-to-play model that a lot of other places are starting to adopt where you can convert the in-game currency to get the extra stuff instead of just having to completely dump real money onto it all the time, which is kind of good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think some of the prices some of, the, of some of the items definitely need to be adjusted. Um, I'll be interested to see how much I can get now that I'm not buying influence for the guild anymore. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I actually I haven't been buying that for the little guild for for my son and I, but we've still been earning enough from doing quite a bit. Like I mean, I've been questing the hell out of everything, and then so is he. So we've actually been earning a decent amount. So I've been putting those towards the perks and different things like that. So, so yeah. So again, it, it, I think we'll cut it out at that for for Guild Wars too, but. It's still such a, a phenomenal game. I'm still having so much fun with it. And the other thing, too, that I quickly wanted to mention is that if you're playing the game and you're playing a, a professional, I should say, and you're thinking, ah, I'm really not digging this, make sure before you decide that you actually level out all of the weapons so yes. that you can mess around with all of the weapons. Because I got to tell you, this game is designed in such a way that if you want to be a hunter type warrior and just play at range with a rifle, you can. Not just that, but you're going to have a freaking blast doing it. The thing that struck me is that, I, again, if you wanted a, 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 a class to play, a, prof oh, damn it, a profession to play that has that roguish type feel, that up close and personal with, you know, daggers or axes kind of thing or swords, then most of the time you're thinking, of course, the thief. And the thief mm -hmm. does a phenomenal jo job of it. But that being said, too, I love the thief as a ranged pistol guy that was just dual pistol had these phenomenal abilities and I really liked that a lot. Now, when I was playing my, my, my ranger, which I've been leveling him the most actually, and anybody who thinks that they're the easiest class because they're the pet class, kind of like in WoW with the hunter, oh man, the, the level of complexity you can have with this class is amazing. Now, I actually started messing around with him to level out all of the various weapons and because he can hold a freaking great sword. So I'm thinking, uh, a ranger with a greatsword? Come on. And then I started doing, oh my God, it's awesome. The freaking greatsword, excuse me, greatsword on a ranger is hella fun. Unbelievable. Dude, it's, it's, freaking, it's Strider. It's Strider from Lord of the Rings. It's ranger with a greatsword. Amazing. But then I started messing around with a sword in one hand and an axe in the other hand, or two axes and things like that, or a dagger and, and a sword. Dude, I prefer the up-close-and-personal gameplay with daggers or sword or, or axes of the ranger than the thief. 
it is unbelievable fun. And you have the roll around and evade while poisoning and going towards the back to flank them. You have different abilities that are um, like with, if you have the axe and the offhand, you have this deflecting ability where he's twirling around his weapons like a freaking Kung Fu master. It was awesome. And then it also damages people around you. But what I liked is that whereas with the thief, you have an ability that you leap into dam into where the mob is and fight them. And then if you hit the button again, it leaps you away from them. Well, with the ranger, it's the opposite. If you're up close and personal, you hit that, you're going to hit them and poison them once. I think it applies to poison as well. And you jump back, hit the button again, and then you can jump back in if you want to. As a ranger, what that means is that you send in your pet to do the damage initially. And I've got all the abilities specifically so that they do an insane amount of damage right from the get-go. And then you start in with your harder-hitting longbow abilities. If they start coming towards you, switch over immediately to the uh, sword and, and dagger that I have, get a couple of really good hits in, and then I hit the ability to bounce back. While I'm in the freaking air, swap back to... <laughs> to my longbow so that as it's coming close to me, I have the ability to shoot it back and just keep hitting it with hard hitting abilities that are off the cooldown now. Plus the pets abilities are off cooldowns too. It's just such a dynamic play style that is so much fun. It's unbelievable. And then with your traits, you can also put points into not just your, your pets to do more damage, but also the weapon swapping grants you different boons and different bonuses to your, your, your damage. Like the ability to do what you want with a profession, not what they want you to do is insane. Case in point, again, the warrior, I had been saying, eh, I'm not so sure about the warrior. I then leveled out all of the weapons, made all the difference in the world. I'm sold on the warrior. So sold, it's unbelievable, where it's a close tie for best or second that I love playing. And and it's because of that, that flexibility. I mean, you can do the tank and spank kind of thing, or you can do insane dual sword damage or just from a distance with a freaking rifle and doing again tons and tons of damage with a rifle and you don't have to worry if anybody gets close to you just swap weapons beat the crap out of them you got so much armor they're barely scratching you so the other one of course is the mesmer does that too i'm one of the reasons why i'm enjoying the necro but not as much as i'd hoped is because there's not as much difference there's not as many weapons that they can use. And then uh, I'm not digging the play style quite as much with all of them. But again, if, if you're playing a class and you're thinking initially, eh, I'm not sure if I'm liking this, level out every weapon first before you decide for sure, because it makes a huge difference in how much you'll enjoy the class. Oh, it definitely does. Absolutely. Especially with combining the weapons is really kind of the overlooked thing. Oh, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people don't mix and match, which is sad you have to you have to you have to yeah and and the thing is is that you you have to make sure to keep enough on you as well for different events because there's dynamic events that are happening everywhere you're going to be questing it takes two seconds to swap it out and then you don't have to worry about rearranging all of your abilities no just swap the weapon like i always keep a torch on my my ranger as well because 
more often than not, I'll actually quest with the torch. And especially if I'm doing a dynamic event, because one of them, I put a ring of fire around me. So the first thing I do, I send my pet in and then I do my ring of fire and then I switch over to my longbow and then every shot I'm shooting through, guess what? It's on fire now. So you have to be willing to swap out your weapons, which is a shift W by default, which is like natural. And, um, and so you just swap out your weapons and, and make sure to, to marry the couple, the, 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 the different abilities together so that they are dynamic and they're working together very well. And once you start doing that and you start really messing around with that and how you want to then build your trait system and which ones you want to use for your traits, my God. Like you can play the class that you want and then play, play it in terms of what abilities you want as well. That is not necessarily going to be anywhere near what somebody else is doing with theirs. Well, and, and that's really kind of the cool thing about it is just the customization is a lot, I think more than anybody really expected. Yeah. And that's one of the things I'm hearing the most from people that didn't play like Guild Wars 1. And they're coming into this and they're they're starting to see, like, yes, we can play the character exactly how we want. Well, see, so. I, I did one. And so I knew the, the the limitations of how many skills they allowed you. And yet, even taking that into consideration, I was not expecting this much awesome. Like, I, I was expecting awesome in terms of the ability, but I was prepared for the limitations of how many skills you'd have. I was not expecting it was going to be anything remotely like this that on the fly minute by minute you can be deciding how you want to play your character so that in every event that you're doing whatever questing or anything at all you are it's your game time that you're putting in you're sitting down for an hour you can be playing entirely different gameplay experiences like quite a few of them in that time Okay, moving on. That's enough of Guild Wars 2 for now. Let's actually touch on some World of Warcraft because Missa Pandaria is right around the friggin' corner. And so a lot of people now are talking about Tides of War that came out the Jaina Proudmoore book. And you read through it. I have not yet, so I'm going to be quiet. Now it's my turn to be quiet. And there's going to be many spoilers here, folks. So if you haven't read it, then you may want to skip. If you don't care, then go ahead and listen. Okay, so... The book is, again, Christy Golden. It's the next one in the series, and it's supposed to transition us from Cataclysm into Mists of Pandaria. And it's centered around the actions of the city of Theramore, Thrall, Garrosh, Jaina, and Caligos. I'm going to start this by saying I have a love-hate relationship with this book. Some of the things that it did, it did phenomenally well. Characterization was done mostly well uh, in Christine Golden fashion. The story was very tight. There weren't a whole lot of plot holes. There were a lot of surprises actually in it, um, which was good. It was what you would expect from Christine Golden. However, some of the things that I didn't like, which I'll get into a little bit more later, um, were how everything got tied up at the end and sort of some of the minor tweaks to some of the characters that I didn't quite expect. So, Story opens up with basically life is normal. Uh, everybody's in Theramore having a you know a good old time. Jaina has taken on an apprentice uh, with is a tiny gnome with pink pigtails by the name of Kindy. Uh, very spirited, very spitfiery, um, very wonderful uh, character. Like just sort of that that weird innocence of a mage that you don't see anymore. Um, then you switch over from that to the horde. 
Thrall's no longer part of that. We already know that. He's busy with the Earthen Ring trying to heal Azeroth. He's sitting there at the Maelstrom trying to seal this wound that's been opened up. But Garrosh, Garrosh has plans. And his plan is to start by assembling all of the races of the Horde and marching on Northwatch Hold. After Northwatch Hold, he plans to march on Theramore. He's making all these machinations. He's making all these plans. Uh, and he's doing it against the grain. You see characters like Vol'jin and Bane Bloodhoof and many other members of the Horde uh, are, are sort of not too sure about this. Like they just want to be left in peace and do their own thing and not really bother the Alliance. But Garrosh wants total domination. After His plans are, after defeating Theramore, to take over the entire continent, taking Teldrassil, completely burning it to the ground, making sure there are no traces of Alliance anywhere on Kalimdor. Kind of a big thing. Kind of out of the blue, too, especially after the fight that just happened against Deathwing, and before that, the exhausting battle against Arthas. Both factions at this point have been fighting near constantly against not just each other, but also major, major foes. So we'll skip over from there to the Blues, to Caligos and the Blue Dragonflight. Caligos is no longer an aspect, and what's happening with the Dragonflight is a lot of the members are starting to go on their own, find their own path, and sort of leave the flight. They're leaving the Nexus. Uh, Kiragosa, the daughter of Malagos, um, is now, having been freed from her captivity, is there and is basically like a giant sister to Caligos and is offering him solace. He did the best he could. He made the only choices he could in the time that really there wasn't a whole lot of time to make choices. But during this time frame, the focusing iris gets, gets stolen. It winds up missing from the Nexus. So it starts this whole big adventure where Caligos has to go and chase after it. So now you have these, these sort of four stories going on all at once. So the crux of it is Garrosh winds up having stolen the focusing iris. Caligos doesn't realize this until way too late. The Blood Elves wind up using the Focusing Iris to create what's called a Mana Bomb. And this is mentioned before. Uh, and this is why Varisa Windrunner didn't want Blood Elves admitted to the Kirin Tor because they created these mass destructive weapons of magic and unleashes it. This is ultimately what destroys Theramore. It's this giant friggin' Mana Bomb, the biggest that has ever been created harnessing the Focusing Iris, which is the conduit to all arcane energy and all of Azeroth and realms beyond. Um, there are basically almost no survivors aside from, in this case, Jaina, Caligos, and that's it. The kicker here, and this is one thing I did actually really enjoy, before Theramore came under attack, a runner from Bane Bloodhoof went to Theramore to warn Jaina so that she could get either pe innocent people out, which they did, or that she can get help and try to fight off the Horde. She does. She goes to the Kirin Tor. She makes a case for it. The Kirin Tor send Ronin and several other mages of high standing to go and defend the city. Now, when I said that Jaina was one of the few survivors, this is one of the interesting things about the book. Ronin doesn't survive. Ronin sacrifices himself in order to bring the bomb directly to him and contain it as much as he can and get the few survivors out that he could. 
Now, this is kind of important because Ronan is a character that was created by Richard Knack, and he was very much a Mary Sue. And having, first of all, Ronan appear in this book and being written by Christine Golden is phenomenal because his character is better than it's ever been. But two, getting the green light to kill him, the leader of the Kirin Tor, just blows my mind. That's something I did not expect to, to happen any way, shape, or form. So there's a sort of transformation in Jaina that happens after Ronan's dead, after Kindy's dead, after everybody she's really loved and cared about is dead. She now becomes very hurt and war-torn and wants to destroy not just Garrosh, but every creature in the Horde. All orcs need to die. Everything that was Horde needs to die. She becomes very very much warlike and obsessed with destruction, very much like Varian Rin after he came back from the Horde. And it's sort of weird to see her kind of take that that role, even after that much hurt. This is somebody who stood up to her father, who died at the hands of the Horde, who wanted to kill every single orc he possibly could, who fought against Varian and tried to basically sue for peace between the Horde and the Alliance for so long. To see her sort of flip the switch... Yeah, but it, it was seeing it was her, interesting. Seeing her entire continent, or not necessarily the continent in this case, but the Theramore killed. I, but it's, it makes sense. It, I it, it 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 does to a certain point, but not the extent that they went in this book. It's it's interesting, but still out of place just a little bit. Like it's the extreme she'll go to, and I'll explain why in a little bit. Not only is she in this mood and she's in this sort of war torn, but immediately following the, the sacking of Theramore, the bombing of Theramore, she goes back to Theramore. She winds up finding her way back and goes and sees the aftermath, but she finds the focusing Iris. And so what does she want to do with the focusing Iris? She wants to just take the focusing Iris and use it to wipe out Agrimar. She wants to wipe out the entire army of the horde that's waiting in Agrimar. So she hides it from Caligos, goes to Dalaran, steals a book written by her mentor, Antonidas, that is all about the, the focusing iris and how to control it and use it, breaks all the wards and seals on it, steals that book away. Dude, goes that is to, awesome. You go, Jenna. Hold on. It gets, it, gets, it gets bigger. She then goes to an island just south of Agrimar. And if anybody who's played Horde will know, there's an island full of pirates and of cutthroats of everywhere. She kills every single last one of them in cold blood. She shows up on the island and just melts their faces like one of them tries <laughs> to assault her. She just murders every single one of them. She clears out every single building, every tent, and leaves no traces of them. Then she goes about her work of trying to get the focusing iris to, to basically work to her bidding. She then starts enslaving thousands of water elementals, thousands of water elementals, and then starts binding them together into this one giant uh, water elemental tidal wave that she's going to send at Agrimar. What winds up happening is the those tortured, those tortured elements call out and thrall makes one of his very limited appearances in this book and is called to basically stop her they give they give thrall the name of the islands what's going on so he shows up and he gets locked into a huge battle with her 
Like she's got one hand on the focusing iris trying to kill him while trying to get this tidal wave of all these water elementals to go forth and, and just basically sack everything in its path. And then you have you have Thrall battling with imploring the spirits of water to sort of, you know, fight against the spell power, summoning the, the spirits of air to sort of lock it in place. And there's this huge titanic battle between these two that were best of friends, which is More sort of interesting that, to see. They were they were close to everybody wanted them to be damn near lovers. lovers yeah yeah and they were they were pretty damn close to it so very, see that very, sort of yeah. conflict especially after Thrall has left all the war bidding behind he is now nothing but a shaman he's not even Thrall he's Goal now he's committed to Agra that's it he doesn't want anything more to do with it but he starts just talking sense into her fighting with her and the elements straining against him. And her, it's just this epic f- battle scene, this epic fight scene, where she's not just fighting him, but she's also fighting against herself. And it's and it's really well written. Then you add to this Caligos, who comes in, and I'm going to get to this. This is going to be backtracking and coming back again. Caligos comes in as well and starts talking to her at the same time, shattering her perceptions. She tells him that you don't know what it feels like to watch those you love murdered, to watch your nation just be completely bombed. And he just gives her, he's like, really? I want you to shut up and listen. (laughs) And he's like, I know what it's like to watch those I love tortured, destroyed, murdered, wiped off the face of this planet. And he goes in this whole big revelry. And eventually it comes down where she decides that she's not going to kill Agrimar. Instead, she's going to go defend the Alliance fleet. Because the Alliance now has heard what happened to Theramore, has lost some of their best generals that they sent to defend Theramore, and are now going to go wage war and try to take Agrimar. They want to take Garrosh. And Varian, and this is one of the interesting, another interesting one of the books, Varian's no longer the hot-headed person that he used to be. He definitely still hates the Horde, and he wants to kill them, but he wants to do it smartly. He doesn't want to just go charging. He takes the time. When Jaina visits him and asks for the Alliance to go smash every member of the Horde immediately... He actually tells her no. He's like, I am not going to throw innocent lives away to persecute your revenge. Yes, it was a travesty. Yes, it's terrible. Yes, this wound hurts every single member of the Alliance and you especially. But I'm not going to send women and men to die for folly. We are going to have to have a plan. We are going to do this smart. We are going to do this intelligently. We are not going to fight Garrosh on his terms. We are going to fight it on our own terms. And you start to see the mind of the general that, that sort of healing that Varian's been doing over the course of two expansions now. Yeah, but that's not in, like, even the videos of them discovering Pandaria. You want mm-hmm. to talk about hot-headed. They want it covered in blood. Or was it oh. red? It's like, that's not, that that is hot-headed. But he still has that hot streak, like, in the middle of combat. Like, and there's a scene where he is with the fleet. He's leading the fleet. And Garrosh and him are locked in terrible combat and it's another amazing scene and you can see like that bloodlust is taking both of them and there's nothing else existed at that moment but those two fighters in the heat of the moment so i'm gonna go back now to caligos and this is part of the book i don't really like there seems to be this necessity to pair off every major character and send them into this happy ending or sunset for Jaina, Jaina's been that weird spot where it was Kelthas and Arthas, and we saw how those ended. She's, But it turned her into a stronger character. It turned her into somebody who didn't need a man to define her. And I really like that about her. But then you start having these things where her and Caligos start having emotions for each other. And it's like, 
really? Because you didn't really hang out before this this moment, and all of a sudden, like a light switch, here you go. And over the course of it, Caligo struggles with him learning that he loves a mortal, and sh- her struggling with, you know, oh, I'm going to open my heart up to this essentially an immortal being. And at the end, it's just sunshine, happiness, and flowers between the two of them, essentially. And that irritated me. And it irritated me because she didn't need that, nor did Caligos. And it just seemed like a really shitty way to tie like to tie up that loose end with those two characters. Yeah, but did it like, feel like it was something it where felt it forced. Exactly. Like there's there's some of these things in like the the writers are told, listen, these things have to happen in the story kind of thing. So right. if it felt forced, it might just be that I, I'm saying might be where, you know, Blizzard is applying pressure saying, okay, these two have got to wind up together because it's going to be part of the canon in the game later on. And, and, and it is. And, and it if, is. If, they, are if, not, they are now the leaders of the Karen Tor. Yeah, so it's up to but, her to make sure that that is apparent throughout the novel and not just all of a sudden chucked in at the end kind of thing. And it was apparent throughout the novel, and I give her credit on that, but it's just, it's not her fault. It's not Christine Golden's fault. It was done well, but it's the fault of the characterization of these. And I understand that... Blizzard is taking a firmer handhold on the books that are being written, the characters that are being introduced and removed, and trying to make sure that we don't have another Richard Knack just running off and creating a whole new parallel universe, essentially. But that's a little bit too much, and I think that it wasn't necessary, because it just, it to me personally, it sort of cheapens the characters a little bit. Okay. Now, an interesting point of the book, too, and this is, they didn't really explain how this sort of came to be very much so. The Horde have an elite guard called the Korkron. And they are they were originally Thrall's protectors. They were like the badass elite orc military people. Garrosh kept them intact, but he's turned them into sort of like secret police. And they're headed up by a Blackrock orc. Which is weird, because even the Horde don't like the Blackrock orcs. They hate them. And this person comes out of nowhere, has all of a sudden has the complete confidence of Garage. There's not a whole lot of explanation how this came by sides for he showed up and swore fealty to, to Garage. And he's going about murdering Horde citizens that are speaking out against uh, against Garage and against the Horde and against his actions. Like there's a scene where uh, there's a celebration going on in Agrimar after the victory of Theramore and, and Northwatch Hold. And Bane Bloodhoof and Vulgin and a few other key members of the Blood Elves and the Forsaken are hanging out in Razor Hill in a bar because they don't want to be in the main city part of the festivities. <laughs> They're like, you know that what? Kills me. We, we, were, we weren't invited. Fuck him. We're going to go drink here. And even they were like, yeah, the, the, the beer is shitty. The food's worse, but it's not Agrimar, so we're going to stay here. The second day, they were not there. Bane and Vulgin leave. But a couple of the, the other Forsaken and then the other Blood Elf are there. And this this Kolkron, this this Blackrock Orc shows up and sets a trap. Basically they they pull the uh the bartender out, the tavern keeper out, ice grenade them into place, and blow up the entire thing. And before that you see citizens that were originally at meetings for the horde are, are were missing and getting beaten up and there was a mushroom farmer at one point that spoke out against the the war chief openly who disappeared for three days and came back with broken you know limbs and bruises and cuts and it was sort of interesting but it's like i would have liked to see a little bit more of how that 
sort of how he wormed his way into that position. Is it possible because... that that was in some other stuff that you haven't read, though? No, I've read everything else that's come out. Okay. So this is like that particular moment was sort of out of the blue. Like, and I've done horde questing on the beta. There's nothing in there for that. Um, not that I've seen or come across. I've read all the books that have come across and haven't really seen it. I don't know. Like, it just, it, some of the stuff that are put in there seems like Blizzard might be putting too much control on it. Overall, it was a very good book. It was a very good read. It just had a, a few minor things that I really would have tweaked about it. Um, another shining moment was Anduin. And Anduin really came into his own in the Cataclysm, the Shattering novel. And while the novel itself, I, I, it was hit and miss as well, his characterization was fantastic. Christine Golden continues that. And even where Varian is sitting there looking at him, where he's like, you know what, I am proud of you. He understands the, necessary, the necessity of war at this point. He understands the, the hard choices that a leader has to make. And you can see that he's got full control of his connection with the light. And he's sort of that, that I don't want to say the angelic leader, but he's, he's that hopeful leader that the Alliance is going to need. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's the cool thing. You can really see him coming into it. And when Varian goes to war, it's Anduin that addresses the masses and blesses the entire war party. And his, you can, like, Varian's just sitting here. He's like, you know what? I'm, I, there's nothing more I can teach you. You are going to be a fine gang. Well, they're setting it up, too, in such a way that, like, when you're looking down the line, because the game is not going anywhere, obviously. Oh, not for they're, they're setting it up so that in the lore, because when you're thinking of, you know, those cataclysmic events kind of thing and the 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 obviously the cataclysm obviously the um the the stuff that's going on with garage with pandaria in the future you can see something might happen to varian you know where he is killed in battle or something happens because they're setting varian up to take over but not just to take over but to to be such a, a light and day to use a, a pun that actually works here an example so like it it would make sense that that's coming down the pipe. I actually have a theory about that, and I'll share this because I have no confirmation one way or another. We've already know that Miss, one of the big bads, is going to be Garrosh. Garrosh is going yep. to be a raid encounter. We know we are going to kill him, and we are going to kill him. I personally think that Varian is going to die in that encounter. I think Varian and Garrosh are going to deal fatal blow to each other after we are done, like an end event, like with... Illidan and Arthas where there was that 10% of their health where there was that epic sort of last minute confrontation going on. I think we're going to have something like that. And I think Bane Bloodhoof and Anduin are going to ascend to the leaders of the Horde and the Alliance respectively. And then we're going to start getting into bigger, nastier story bosses later on. Like I honestly think Sargeras is going to come back and I think that's going to be a huge thing. And I think that eventually the war is going to have to fade out. And I think that's how it's going to come about. Personal I, prediction. I kind of agree with you with almost everything, except I don't think it's going to happen here. I think that's something more oh, that start. we would see in the next expansion, I think. The next expansion, I can fully see something like that happening where Varian, something happens to him, where it's he's taken out uh, by one way or another. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do it in such a way that it's even his fault that he's losing it and he goes looking for trouble and gets killed, kind of in the same way with Garrosh has been his fault that he's going to bite it. Um, and then I agree with you, seeing Bane and Varian then leading and then having all of a sudden this entirely new dynamic being forced on 
uh, the world and on the players that mm-hmm. these are no longer your enemies per se. You know what I mean? And then from then on, like you're saying, then it becomes more of fighting against encounters against other people. And then, yes, if they bring people back, now it's going to be under new leadership, how you're going to deal with those situations. So I can I can easily see that kind of thing happening, too. But I think it's going to be a little bit more down the road. And uh, and I think they'll make a much bigger deal about it because, I mean, taking out Varian is going to be deserving of its own expansion just like taking off out garage it will be in this one but I, you know and i can definitely see that too we'll see okay anyways any parting thoughts on it honestly pick it up give it a read it's well worth the time i tore through it in almost maybe less than two days just sitting down reading the book because i couldn't put it down i had to get to the end of it uh it was the end part the epilogue that bleeds into mists was really well done uh, it's well worth your time and your money. Okay. All right, good. We had some stuff that we were going to talk about with PAX, but of course these two issues ran long, and that's fine. I'm going to link, leave the links in the show notes, however, for PAX, because it is actually quite interesting, some of the things that we found, like the uh, the gameplay footage for Last of Us. Oh, my God, dude, insane in the brain. I was freaking, like, on the edge of my seat watching them. And then the interview with uh, Travis Baltry and... Who was the other one for Torchlight 2? I can't remember. Um, it was very good. Got a lot more information. Yet another game that, my God, I'm so excited for. So anyways, I'll leave those in the show notes. You can make sure to check them out. We will be back next week for RT-1 episode. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a good one. It will be broadcast live. We will be at a regular time. We will have had a couple of drinks by then. It's going to be a damn fun time. So we're looking forward to it and we're looking forward to having you guys there. If you want to check out the show notes, check them out at ForTheLore.com. Of course, on Twitter, at ForTheLore. And email any comments or questions to ForTheLore at gmail.com. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. For the last time. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs>